0: Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And now you can enjoy all your favorite electric surge podcasts on the Electric Now channel. Download Zumo, Distro TV, and Stir, and soon the Electric Now app, where you can enjoy great television and movies from Electric Entertainment, as well as all your favorite electric surge podcasts like the 430 movie, Inglorious Trexperts, the best movies never made, The Rebel and the Rogue, a Star Wars podcast, and coming soon, Two On Who, a Doctor Who podcast. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And if you love Star Trek, then have we got the podcast for you? It's Inglorious Trek where we talk about Star Trek from the original series through next Generation, Deep Space Nine. And Voyager. sometimes sometimes we don't talk about Star Trek. But we're still Trek Indeed, we are. And we have some great special guests coming to you. So if you're a Star Trek fan, or even if you're just a Darren Doctorman fan, you should listen to Inglorious Trek every Saturday on the Electric Search channel. Speaking of Star Wars, I just went on Rise of the Resistance. And let me tell you, it is the greatest theme park ride I have ever been on. Don't mince words, Mark. What do you really think? Well, I think it's the greatest theme park (laughs) ride I've ever been on. It's fantastic. I, I totally changed my opinion about Star Wars Land. Fantastic. And if you want a fantastic Star Wars podcast, you should listen to The Rebel and the Rogue, a Star Wars podcast with host Jason Tobias and Bevan, available every Tuesday wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the greatest Star Wars podcast on the Electric Surge Network. It's the only Star Wars podcast no. on the Electric Network. <laughs>
1: Welcome to Two on Who, the Doctor Who podcast. I'm Liam McEnany. This is my co-host. I'm Kat Pat Moore. Moore. <laughs> and uh, this is a podcast where we drill down deep into everything that we love and uh, don't love about classic and new Doctor Who. Uh, we have a guest today, our first ever guest. Yes. Welcome. Thank Lauren you. Lauren Bancroft.
2: Hi there. From the,
1: from the podcast.
2: Historical Hookups.
1: Historical Hookups. What's that?
2: Uh, it's a podcast. It's a comedy and history podcast where me and three of my lady comedian friends dig into the love lives of historical figures.
1: So in a way, you travel back in time
2: Ooh. And,
1: uh, and get into the, uh, the nitty gritty of historical figures, much like a yeah. show we're discussing today called Doctor Who. Now, Lauren, uh, what is your favorite doctor?
2: Uh, my favorite doctor is uh, Peter Capaldi's 12th Doctor. Really? Yes.
3: I liked him. Mm-hmm. I liked his kind of no kissing, no touching. I thought it was refreshing. I, yeah.
1: What I, I was like, your favorite? I like him. Uh, I think he's one of the best actors that's ever been oh on my Doctor goodness. Who. Oh,
2: He's so talented. Such a talent. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's he's great. Uh, I'm not a fan of everything that went down in his era, but sure. we're going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. We're going to mm-hmm. talk about that. Lauren and I are, are at loggerheads over. Uh, today, we're going to talk about a character that's very divisive. Oh, wait, sorry. Who's, this is our first time doing this. What's your favorite episode?
2: <laughs> uh, my favorite episode is actually Girl in the Fireplace.
1: Not a Capaldi episode.
2: Correct, yeah, a David Tennant episode, yeah.
1: That's very interesting. So far, everyone we've asked has had a f- different favorite doctor and doctor episode.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, Girl in the Fireplace, if you're not a nerd like us who has the episode titles memorized, <laughs> yeah. Girl in the Fiber- Fireplace was with the 10th Doctor when Rose was still his companion, uh, where he met Madame de Pompadour throughout her life. And. Right. One of the one of the most critically acclaimed episodes that they did of New Who.
1: Right. So basically, uh, he had. Uh, why don't you tell us the story? He had a mirror into a fireplace. Uh yeah. A window. But, sorry.
2: Yeah. Basically, the Doctor and Rose and uh, I think was Mickey there for that adventure. Mickey was Mickey there. Was there. Yeah, he was there. on the spaceship with Rose. Yeah. So they uh, they're traveling around and they stumble across this ship and they go in and they see that they're into different rooms. It's like a different uh, viewpoint into different parts of. In the life of Madame de Pompadour, mm-hmm. um, who was who was, a, who was a French aristocrat,
1: and she was a, a mistress to, mistress the to Louis King. the Fifteenth. And mm-hmm. Rose
2: was super
3: super surprised
2: to learn that her
3: and the Queen were like best buddies. Yeah, yeah. in which I love the line of like France is a different planet. What well, can I tell you? Ah, <laughs> do you the think French. you'd ever do Madame de Pompadour or mention her on your podcast with historical hookups? Um,
2: maybe. Maybe. Why not? I mean, I mean this, this
1: episode is a historical hookup.
2: <laughs> I mean, in a way. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, she's got a little crush. I mean, she meets the doctor when she was a kid, and then yeah. throughout her life, he just keeps popping up, and he's the same age. Right. Obviously, he always looks the same. Mm-hmm. So she's very confused, and then eventually, mystery is solved. Can I spoil the ending? Yeah, Absolutely. I yeah. think
1: it's been a few years.
2: Yeah. So the the ship, it's uh, every room is like a purview into different parts of her life, because the ship itself is called Madame de Pompadour. And the right. ship had broken down and these like clockwork robots had gone back in time to try to harvest parts of her to repair their ship and, with the same name.
1: And then they felt at a certain age, her brain would be developed enough that they that it could pilot their ship back mm-hmm. to wherever they were going.
2: Yeah. So it's a very cool. I really like it because some of my favorite episodes are episodes that really play with time. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that's a really good a really good example of that. It's also one of the first episodes I ever watched way before I even became a fan of the show. Definitely so it's interesting
3: I loved it. as a technique to have them be in the spaceship that also has different... Uh, and then we also have the great line of, well, it's a hyperspatial temporal linker. I'm messing that up but because <laughs> he doesn't want to say magic door throughout all of time. So I do mm. like the magic door aspect of that episode. Yeah.
1: But one of the things we were talking about in last week's Christmas uh, specials episode was about how the Doctor Who is sometimes very linear about the way they treat time travel, oddly enough, mm-hmm. and like a christmas carol this is an episode that kind of played around with the idea that in a world where time travel is possible why wouldn't there be windows into different like different years of someone's life and different like stages of their development
2: sure yeah and i really like how like it showed that the doctor had such an influence on madame de pompadour um mm-hmm. you know cuz it was different stages all throughout her life i think she was like 10 years old or something when she first right. when he first right. came through the fireplace so i think it's really cool
1: uh, any... And
2: actually,
3: Clara, who is I think we're discussing Clara right. for our episode today. That's she was well, she's introduced in Asylum of the Daleks, right? In a way, mm-hmm. and then she's introduced again in one of the more recent Christmas specials of The Snowman, where we right. meet her in the Victorian
1: age. And mm-hmm. then, uh, and then, uh, but we're going to talk about that in a second. <laughs> uh, and it's a very Stephen Moffat thing to do uh, to kind of almost write yourself in a corner and then figure out a way to justify it all.
2: Well. <laughs> Uh, I I wonder since those were not those weren't like proper Clara they were her echoes that we mm-hmm. that we met and I that was like halfway through season seven so I think by that point Moffat probably had the end game for Clara already figured out right so
1: but let, but let's talk about the big debate here about the character we pronounce it Clara. The uh, the American way, and mm-hmm. you pronounce it Clara.
3: I say it the way they say it in the show. If they're saying to say, I say Dalek because they say Dalek. I say Clara because they say Clara. Perfect. Actually, I kind of find the name Clara more, more nice to hear than Clara for some reason. I think it's a prettier name. Oh, mm-hmm.
1: every time I say Clara, I hear everybody I grew up in around in Queens, in New York <laughs> City, like Clara. <laughs> let's go down to the mall. <laughs>
3: And so I, I, that's going to be something you're going to notice with this one and with, uh, you know, that it'll pop up. I, I'm going to always say it usually the way they say it in the show, so it's going to be Clara all the way through. I have no objection to that. I
2: just say Clara because that's just my accent. That's fine with yeah. me.
1: So is this like an episode when you're introducing a friend to the show, uh, the the girl in the fireplace? And then we'll get into Clara, but... Would you say the girl in the fireplace is that the episode where when you want to turn someone onto the show that's what you show them?
2: Um, well, I actually have um, one episode per new Who Doctor that I would suggest. It's like a little a which little one? set. Um, so for David Tennant, it's either girl in the fireplace or Blink. I mean, Blink is such an iconic. Right. Again, really plays with time. Right. Um, it's also a Doctor Light episode, which I think mm-hmm. is really. It's really cool because it, it's still one that I would pick to show about what the show itself, like what the universe of Doctor Who, can be like. If right. you're
1: if you're more a casual fan, Doctor Light episodes are how fans refer to episodes where, because they're fil- like the Doctor is needed for a million scenes in one episode, they film another episode where he's barely present, mm. like just to kind of uh, fill out the 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 episode requirement.
2: Yeah. So it's like there are a few scenes where the Doctor's in it, but besides that, it's you know it's an adventure that takes place around him, but not with him. Right. So, yeah, it's pretty cool.
1: And uh, who? what's your introductory episode for Eccleston?
2: Uh, for Eccleston, it's Rose. Okay. Rose, that first episode. The first episode. Yeah, because it's it's such a great soft reboot for the series in general.
3: And just such a good way to introduce, where his first word tour is, is run, and I love mm-hmm. that. So it's a nice kind of... It is another good way to show that
2: showcase the show and like what we're going to be doing yeah, on like this program. Who this mm-hmm. character is. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Did you name your new puppy after a Doctor Who character?
2: Um. No. We yeah. We named him Henson.
1: Henson after Jim <laughs> yeah. Henson.
2: After, yeah. We're big. Me and my fiance are big. Uh, big Muppet fans. So. Oh
1: my goodness. What's your favorite Muppet movie?
2: Uh. Favorite Muppet movie probably the Great Muppet Caper.
1: That's a good choice. Thank if you. If only for the Happiness Hotel sequence, which is the hands down best Muppet sequence ever committed uh-huh. to any video.
2: I agree. Is that What's your favorite Muppet? Now I want to know everyone's favorite Muppet movies. Uh,
1: I would say I have two answers. Okay. Um, I feel like Muppet movie is the best Muppet movie.
2: It's so good. But I also Original. feel
1: like just in terms of when I, i think the first one I watched was Muppets Take Manhattan mm. and I was a little kid and it had the Sesame Street characters and the wedding scene at the end. So in a way I feel like I have two answers and those are both of them.
3: Mm -hmm. Well, I never thought I'd be embarrassed to say this, but I've never seen a Muppet movie. What? I've never seen a
1: Muppet movie. New podcast. I've never, I don't know,
3: maybe I guess I'm horribly wrong, but I've never seen a movie about Muppets and thought I'm going to use my money to watch this.
2: Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Man. I think for me, it was like, you know, one of those things where you're introduced very young, you just kind of grow up with it. uh, And it's like, you know, I have an affinity for I have a little Muppet pin on my backpack right now.
3: Yeah. Maybe I'll go see, uh, you can give me a recommendation for a Muppet movie. I haven't seen
2: one. I, I remember the trailer. All right. Well, Treasure Street. Island is really great too. Well,
3: Treasure Island is going to be a, a treasure no matter which way. Sure. It's an I would story. even
1: say just watch them in order, and uh, if I'm you not don't spending like the a whole day one,
2: watching
3: Muppet movies. <laughs>
1: I'll tell you what, if you don't like the Muppet movie, you're just not going to like the Muppets. Uh, that's just uh... all
2: right, Kat. It's fine. We're going to start a new podcast. <laughs> we'll watch one a week together. We'll make it a friend thing. It's a pretty short podcast. What? It's a podcast miniseries.
3: Yeah. How I mean, many I'm... Muppet movies are there now, though? Now yeah. I'm worried like under 10 right like official okay I'll we... tell you
1: what I, I'm actually curious uh, you listening at home or watching at home our email address is two on who at gmail.com <laughs>
3: on gmail.com on
1: gmail.com and uh, Gmail. if you have a recommendation for cat or some light verbal abuse no, I'm just <laughs> kidding don't verbally abuse her uh but
3: yeah there's a pretty big chance I'm not gonna well now I feel like I'm going against the whole spirit of the podcast. No, if no, I no. say give me recommendations I'm never gonna win. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. That you're good. You're good. I'll watch no, them. I'll, watch, I'll, I'll watch, watch them all again in your honor. Me. In your honor. Okay. Yeah. So you'll right. I'll watch I'll watch them up at moving.
1: So what was the first episode you watched?
2: Uh, the very first episode I watched was um. Silence in the Library and Great episode. Forest of the Dead, that two-parter. The two-parter um, with another River song. In another David, uh, David Tennant episode. Right. Um, so I watched that and then also Girl on the Fireplace. And it was, when I was in high school, it was before I really knew what the show was. And it was years before I would actually get into the series as a big fan. Right. Um, but yeah, those were the ones I was watching. I was just like, what is this show? Like, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm watching, but I know I really like it.
1: Then why is Capaldi your favorite?
2: Uh, Capaldi's my favorite. Uh, my theory is that he was actually the first doctor that I watched in real time. Okay. Everything else I had, you know, binged because we live in a society right. where we can do that. You know, I started on Netflix with uh, Christopher Eccleston's Rose when I decided to like really dive in to become a fan. I started with Eccleston, watched all the way through. And my first live episode watching was the 50th anniversary special.
1: Oh, the time, the day, the... The day of the doctor. Day of the doctor, day the doctor yeah. That's
2: it. So that was the first one where I was like, I sitting down with theater. my bow tie. Oh, man, I wish I did. I lived in New Hampshire at the time, and the nearest movie theater playing it was New York City. And yeah. that would have been like a six-hour or I, hour I to
3: see that stuff in nice. the movies. I mean... Avatar the movie was not good, but being in a movie theater full of fans was great. And anytime mm-hmm. I can recreate, I mean, I went, I was there twelve hours early oh, for the Harry Potter movie seven yes. premiere. Yeah, for both of them. Yeah, uh, and we had ex- such a good. It's such such a good experience to be with other people that love. It feel like it's it's exact same camaraderie. It's like a big sports game of what is no yeah. nerds nerd, to say a big sports game. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it's it's a similar atmosphere that everyone's excited. There's mm-hmm. such anticipation. Ugh.
1: I went, uh, when Phantom Menace opened, and keep in mind, this was a time, children, before new Star Wars was common, (laughs) I went to the Ziegfeld Theater, midnight opening show, 1,000-seat theater, used to be in Manhattan, gigantic screen, Lucasfilm logo goes up, everyone cheers. Star Wars logo, everyone's excited, and then that crawl starts endlessly going about trade wars and tariffs, and you could literally... Feel the air deflating in the theater mm. by the end. But let's talk about a very divisive figure in the fandom. Mm-hmm. People love her or hate her. There's no in between on this on this uh, character. And we're talking, of course, about Clara Oswald, uh, the uh, uh, AKA Oswin Oswald, <laughs> sure, <laughs> AKA uh, all the others.
2: Yeah, the governess.
1: The governess. Yeah. Mm-hmm and uh so why why so let's start with the positive because i i have negative feelings but you know what I don't hate her. Okay. I just don't appreciate anything she ever did. But go <laughs> ahead.
3: Got it. Okay. So <laughs> I my... don't hate you. I just don't like anything about your personality yeah. or anything you've done.
2: Yeah. Sure. Sure. Um, so as far as I'm concerned with Doctor Who, like I'm very respectful of other people's opinions. Um, so I don't. Then get out of the fandom. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just feel like I'm. If someone doesn't like Claire, like I will happily have a conversation about it. But if I can't win them over, like I'm still gonna sleep at night. You know, it's like right. it's it's all right. We're good. Um, so, my love of Clara did not start right away. Um, I did not enjoy her in season seven. Okay. Like, at all. I feel like she was a plot device, and, like, she's just kind of there. She's like a blank slate for the doctor to bounce ideas off of. Right. That was when she was with Matt Smith. Right. Uh, and then I, I didn't start really liking her until... Season 8, basically.
3: No, I definitely got that sense, because I heard... This might just be a rumor, but what I heard is that they didn't plan for her to stay on past when she sacrifices herself for the doctor, Mm -hmm. which did have very much, like, um... You know the trope where you put a woman in a fridge. It had a little bit of that written over it. Yeah. But I read that they didn't plan to keep her past that. But then the producers were like, "You can't have a only half a season for a companion. <laughs> yeah. You got to keep her around." Yeah. And, and also, so you I really can't
1: like, have a like a female character who's literally the girl who was born to save the doctor. Yeah.
3: yeah. A little bit of a cringy line there. <laughs> That's a little bit of a And so line. I feel like when he had when they needed to keep her past her plot purpose. All of a sudden, in season eight, she was given a lot more agency and a lot more, like, she was a teacher now mm-hmm. and a lot more of an internal life and yeah. a boyfriend. So, yeah, definitely, there was, a, they had to give her a person more.
2: Absolutely. She had a personality before, but they
3: really had to, to fix her yeah. as it I was. I feel like
2: before she had characteristics, she had like a few things that. That she did, but she was mostly just like I said, a blank slate. Mm-hmm. Well,
1: Stephen Moffat has a thing for manic pixie dream girls. Like Stephen Moffat has a thing for a very specific kind of female character that he writes over and over again, mm-hmm. and it's all the very like uh, hyper intelligent, more, uh, more sassy, more mm-hmm. sassy, but more like competent than the Doctor. Mm-hmm. Like it's just kind of like, oh well, let's let's uh, you know let's let's kind of overcorrect for how. Uh, misogynist that uh, the show has been in the past mm-hmm. by by like making these uh, every single character exactly the same.
3: Well, one big complaint that definitely people gave about his um, writing of of at least the female companions um, is that. It was sort of, oh, man, I lost my train of thought right as I got started. Well, what are you going to do? Oh, he treated them as more like a mystery to solve, mm-hmm. whereas with Rose and Martha Jones and do- and Donna, while, they, while Rose and Donna both became kind of something bigger than what they originally mm-hmm. were, they started out. Where they were just ordinary people, yeah. Whereas with Amy and Clara, they were mysteries. To, Amy had a crack in her wall, and River, yeah. and River. They were all mysteries yeah. to solve instead of something inherently interesting in
2: their own right. Mm-hmm. That's true, and I think that's one of the reasons I fell in love with Doctor Who. When I did sit down, I'm like I'm gonna start this, um, it was because you know Rose is that she's like you know 19 or something. She mm-hmm. did nineteen do, yeah. didn't do well in school. Right. She like has a dead end hey, job. She she got bronze. With. In the junior yeah. gymnastics yeah. I competition. I mean, proud of her for that. But, like, <laughs> She was just like, you know, she didn't think of herself as anything special. Right. And the doctor found her and, you know, did what the doctor does, mm-hmm. at least in those a lot of those early, early seasons of New Who with Russell T. Davies, is he shows her why she is special, even
3: right. though she's ordinary. Right. Whereas Clara, I feel like part of the reason she had the attitude toward the doctor um, that was different than Rose and the other companions is that from modern day Clara's point of view, he just showed up and was like, get in the box. Everyone else, they have to be like, he was like, do you wanna come with me? Or they meet each other like he did with Victoria and Clara and Oswin Oswald. Mm-hmm. They meet each other and they asked to go. Whereas with her, he showed up and was like, hi, you're special, come yeah. on, come in
2: my space box. Hi, I found you, <laughs> finally.
3: Yeah. So of course you're not think of yourself as special if he shows up and is like, get in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But why, did you, so season eight was when you really started to like her. Yeah,
2: season eight. And I didn't really, I mean, I think season eight, there are some gems in there. But overall, I think it was kind of rough. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they were defining a new doctor, a uh, new doctor companion relationship. And frankly, they You're were- you so fix, kind. Mm-hmm. Thank you. They were fixing um, Clara. Right. So I feel like they had right. a lot to do. And by the end of the season, I feel like they accomplished everything they needed to do. Um, but so yeah, there were some gems in there. But overall, it wasn't my favorite season. Season nine, I think, was really great because t- like 12 and Clara- They were, I think, they knew who they were on their own and to each other. Right. Um, And that's, and then by the end of season nine, we were saying goodbye to Clara. But I think it just took Mm. a while to, for the writers to get to the point where, okay, Clara is her own character, and that's it.
1: Mm -hmm. One of the things I didn't like about it, and again, this has nothing to do with her character, actually, Mm -hmm. is she was the only companion I can think of that had a life outside the TARDIS. And she would pop in and out of the the Doctor's adventures, mm-hmm. and I felt like one of the things that really has always worked for Doctor Who is that uh, he has a like a flight crew essentially, mm-hmm. and they're they're just like committed. And it's like they're just like in it 100%. And I've always felt like with Clara, she was never really in it 100% the way every other companion was. a
3: part-time job for Clara. Yeah, it was a (laughs)
1: part-time job. Like she would go be teaching at school, at Coal Hill School, which is where Susan, his granddaughter, went to school 50 years previously. Mm -hmm. I miss that. Uh,
3: <laughs> we watched it, and I, the first episode, and I still missed it. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Amy and Rory had it toward the end of their tenure where he would pop in and out of their lives, but definitely Clara was, that is unique.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, no. good for her for setting up some boundaries. If she wanted to have a life outside the TARDIS, but like by the end of season eight, like really, it was, I mean, you're talking about Christmas episodes. Last Christmas was her making the decision, you know, she had lost Danny. She. Made the call to I think season nine was like her traveling around in the same capacity of previous uh, companions where mm-hmm. she was there she was fully on board but it wasn't until she you know lost I think she lost Danny Pink that really was like well yeah. here we go
1: also I didn't like losing Danny Pink I liked sure. Danny Pink Danny a lot. Pink
2: was a great guy yeah I think I think he was good but I also feel like his character was brought in like a satellite kind of love interest yeah it mm-hmm. was too I was I think it was he was brought in to flesh out Clara's right Clara's um. A character and her to give her a relationship with somebody outside the TARDIS, someone who was not just the Doctor.
3: Yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of weird that we because with the other you see some of their family, whereas while well, she would mention her, she mentioned that her mom had died, uh, and she would mention her dad, and he would, like, we had that in her modern-day Clara's first episode, The Bells of St. John, mm-hmm. I like the bit that they threw in where her dad called and went on a really long rant mm-hmm. about the government that the doctor wrote down and was like, I'll try to assist. <laughs> <laughs> but we never meet him, and I would like to meet the kind of guy that would be like, oh, I'm taking messages. And he'd be like, great, let me tell you everything I have to say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I one of the things that we've talked about Rose, and we talked about Donna and even Martha Jones, who's not my favorite companion. But mm. uh, they really in the Russell T Davies era and also the pawns, by the way. Uh, we
3: do meet Rory's dad.
1: But I'm just but they they ground the doctor in a humanity like because the doctor is such a flighty character and so just like prone to just going off on his own. And so alien mm-hmm. that these are these are all companions that like bring out his more human side in in different ways. And I feel like Clara, for me, didn't do that as much. I feel like she was used more to, to like explore the ethical side of what the doctor does. Mm-hmm.
2: But is that not also humanity in a way? What do you mean? I mean, like you said, ethically. I mean, ethically, morally, uh, and even socially. Like I feel like Clara. Did take on that role of being a teacher to the doctor, you know, like with the cards in season nine, where she's like trying to like get him to be kinder to humans, especially in season eight when she's like, you know, he puts up the like uh, no pudding brains, hmm. or, like you know, he's like kind of has this attitude of like, oh, these humans, kind of like they're they're not grateful, they're you know they're they're ungrateful, right? Um, but I think that Clara. I think that Clara does teach him and tries to ground him in her own way, not through her family, but through her teaching, which she is a teacher. So I think that I checks out. I did like
3: that she was a teacher. I do think there was mixed, uh, mixed reception to her teaching the doctor. I think a lot of his companions, you know, like Donna says, you need someone to stop you. So you definitely see a lot where the companion is the one bringing occasionally bringing morals into the situation. But I think it got mixed reviews as far as her being a teacher to the doctor. Although eighth with, I mean, me speaking, twelfth with his social skills did need some help.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yep. But the blow up the moon episode. Oof. Ooh, Oof-a. kill Oof-a. the moon. Yeah, that was. Ufa. That
2: was tough.
1: That was a the word. I'm glad to hear you say that because when it aired, everywhere I found online, people were like, "Oh, that was beautiful. The moon was a dragon's egg, and they really, she really put him in his place." And I was like, "That's everything I hated about the episode." Yeah,
2: I mean, like I said, season eight was a little rough. There were some gems. There were episodes in there that I did like. Like what? Uh, I thought "Listen" was pretty good, mm-hmm. and I think that's another one that really plays with time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it kind of goes maybe a little too far in that way where it sends Clara back to, you know, the barn on Gallifrey where she's talking to baby doctor. It's like, <laughs> maybe too far. Um, but I do, I mean, I just, I really like the episodes that play with time. Um, but there's a, what was I just going to say? You just, oh, Kill the Moon is what you just said. Kill the Moon. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so Kill the Moon. I feel like I, I liked in the end her standing up to him, but I don't like that the whole previous episode is why she was able to like, you know, tell him like tell him how she made him feel,
1: right? Or how he made her feel. There
2: you go. Um, so uh, yeah, I think the episode was like okay. I don't know. It was also like it was pretty early. I think it was like season like episode four or five in that. No, it's like halfway through. Yeah. Man, I don't love that episode. I just I just don't.
1: I kind of mentally checked out. Uh, I mean, I watched the whole season, mm-hmm. but I just kind of mentally checked out halfway through every episode, because I just was, mm. and I was so disappointed, because Capaldi's so great.
2: Oh, he good. is. When they give him good speeches, man, can he deliver? Ugh. Man, I think that's like a requirement. If you're going to play the doctor, you got to be good at those. I love yeah. that he carries enough weight
3: as an actor that David Tennant did a posh English accent through his whole run, and Capaldi <laughs> was like, we're Scottish now. And they were like, okay, oh, <laughs> <hang laughs> guys, <laughs> we're
2: Scottish now. Well, <laughs> I love the fan theory that, uh, thank you, Tumblr, shouting out for this fan theory. What, what? That um, the doctor, when he regenerates, he kind of takes on the voice of the last person he uh, he saw. Interesting. And Matt Smith, when he regenerated, he was seeing Amy in the TARDIS. Oh, good who point. Who has a Scottish accent? Yeah. And then you know, c- it's c- definitely c- influenced by that. who they saw and what his experiences are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a theory. That's a theory that I really like because when uh, nine regenerated, you know, he was talking to Rose, and then when ten regenerated. I think, I think it was still Rose because he had gone back and done that. Yeah. Done that like tour of companions. Right. Um, and then 11 was Amy and then Capaldi Scottish. So. And also. It's just
3: interesting. I know. I do think that's an interesting theory yeah. and his experiences that he's having right before like, um, like they talked about how he was older partially because he, it was getting too messy. It might have been partially because it was getting too messy being a young guy that people would be attracted to. And so maybe he mm-hmm. wanted to subconsciously distance himself from that kind of pain by not being the kind of person that you would think is your age.
2: Yeah, and I think they really gave, they really gave Clara. I mean, the companion has always been the audiences and the viewers, you know, so way, like yeah. yeah, way into the TARDIS. So I think they them making Clara so initially against him being older was really a way for like the young fans to <laughs> move past Matt Smith. You know, it's like he's not a young kid anymore, but also he's never been young. He's thousands of years old. William mm-hmm.
1: Hartnell, the first doctor, was elderly. And as we mm-hmm. see in uh, the name of the doctor, uh, he was elderly even when he was a young man stealing the TARDIS.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Even when he was, like, yeah, a young man. Um, but actually... Um uh, William Hartnell was 55 when he was cast and Peter Capaldi was 56. So yeah. Peter Capaldi... Peter Capaldi's aged well. Yeah, mm-hmm. he does. So they went from the youngest person to play the Doctor straight to the oldest, which I think is... Clear. It has to have been a very specific choice. Right. I think one of my... Part of the... Re- I liked... I liked
3: Clara. I I liked her, but part of the reason I liked her is because I I know that she's supposed to be the main one, and all the others that we see throughout her other regenerations, um, when she throws herself into the Doctor's timeline, are supposed to be echoes. Mm -hmm. But wait, wait. So hold
1: on. Let's let's just hold up for a second. For listeners who maybe haven't watched this episode, or who maybe
3: got confused, or maybe got confused, (laughs) or
1: maybe like skipped half, like uh, didn't see how Matt Smith's reign ended. We're talking about an episode called "The Name of the Doctor." And the name of the doctor, uh, there's a whole buildup. By the way, Richard E. Grant, one of the great uh, Doctor Who villain actors, Mm -hmm. uh, plays the great intelligence. Oh,
3: he did such a good job.
1: And the great intelligence takes the doctor to his tomb, Mm -hmm. which the doctor says is the most dangerous place in the universe, and we find out why, because there's a gigantic TARDIS, because the TARDIS is also dying, and he's buried in the TARDIS, and there's a big uh, vortex-type thing.
3: It's mm-hmm. like more kind of like his essence. It's like, I like the line of, like, what do
2: you think, I'm just a corpse? Like, I'm, I'm a time lord. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and then Clara sees this, like, spiraling electric DNA-looking right. thing and jumps on in.
1: Well, first, the great intelligence jumps in mm-hmm. to kill the doctor at every point in and his And undo
2: right. all of the good he's ever yeah. done. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and then Clara... And then,
2: yeah, then Clara's like, this is what it's all about. This is what it's been coming down to. I was born to save the doctor, and she jumps in, and there's a great little... Real little VO moment where she explains <laughs> everything.
3: Right. Um, and she basically a thousand versions of her echoes as they're said get thrown out throughout uh, the doctor's life and like he, she becomes the one that pointed him to which TARDIS to steal she saves right. him in the asylum of Daleks she saves him and you. See, it, I do really like the visual effect of her being CGI'd into a bunch of classic doctor uh, there shots was some amazing that green was screen. a lot of fun yes. what do you think about I'll, I'll get back to my own feelings about Kara later on but what do you think about the opinion people have that because of that her very nature that she was given too much importance to the Doctor as a companion.
2: Um, I mean, I think that's kind of true. I mean, like I said, Season 7, Clara, I was kind of like... Kind of a plot device. Yeah, like strong plot device. And like, cool. It's like unique to have someone jump in to the Doctor's time stream to save him, someone who cares so much about him. But
3: also... It almost felt like she did, though, because she'd been told the whole season that she did care enough about him to save him. Like she was informed. Almost like of it was that. a
2: self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. Where she's like, "Oh, this is what I'm supposed to do." I'm the It's because she's already girl. done it. He so, keeps telling
3: me, and so yeah. I must. Whereas, if I'd seen Rose do that, well, she absolutely would do that through love and loyalty to the Doctor. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Clara, it did sort of feel like she, because she knew that was what was supposed to happen, she made it happen. I'm sure it was also out of love and loyalty for the Doctor, but it didn't feel like that was 100 percent of the actual reason for why she jumped in.
2: Yeah, I agree. But also, I mean, I feel like other companions have made big sacrifices and taken big risks. You know, you said Rose, you know, she absorbed the heart of the TARDIS and went back to save her nine. (laughs)
3: Like... Well, I have a Shout tattoo Shout out to and it's Martha from... Jones for not becoming anything
2: more than herself Way to be girl who <laughs> I mean, walked, yeah. woman who walked the earth You deserve more right. You. He's not receptive Okay great Well you go live your life Well lives. she just you
3: know like Donna became like part time like she just stayed mm. Martha Jones yeah. <laughs> with a necklace that makes her unnoticeable <laughs> <laughs> So okay I like I, this makes a lot more sense when you see mm. if you love Clara from season 8 onward Part of the reason I liked Clara I liked her in season 7 but part of that I think was because I adored Oswald Oswald and the governess Victorian Clara Mm. with my entire heart. Oswald Oswald, who was trapped we find out that she we meet her, we think she's being imprisoned in an asylum of the Daleks. Mm -hmm. And then we find out that she's basically trapped herself inside of a fantasy to save her sanity, where she is already converted into a Dalek. She more or less not died, but died. She can't be saved. A long time ago and she can't be saved. And it broke my heart in half to watch it and i adored oswin oswald and i loved how the governess was leading two different lives and she there was issues of classism there where Mm. she was like oh you think just i have dreams above my station f you like (laughs) i adored (laughs) them and i feel like they were supposed to be echoes of clara but to me clara was an echo of them in my mind and i liked Mm. modern day clara when she was introduced because i liked them so much Mm. so it was a, a
2: bit of a weird thing for me where i only i liked her by association Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I mean, modern day Clara and all the Echoes, like, even if they have like similar um, personalities, I mm-hmm. think they are still like separate. Yeah. They're just, you know, kind of like copies. Yeah. I mean, they're born and they die. Yeah. Well, they, they, well they're, some they're of them born do. and they save the doctor. She then was they implied. Right. <laughs> yeah. It was
3: implied that like they're born and they die, but some of them don't.
2: And like, which, you know, sure, wibbly wobbly. Well, I'll, I'll sure, buy it. Yeah. <laughs> Time to have Moffat <laughs> taking liberties. All right. <laughs> He'll do that. He has a right as a showrunner.
3: So what characteristics did you did you find Clara like relatable? Is that why you really liked her once she became more of a full person yeah. in season 8 or what really stood out to you about her specifically?
2: Well, initially I didn't really like I didn't really feel like she and Matt Smith had a lot of chemistry really? like Jenna Coleman and Matt Smith.
1: I would agree. That that was yeah. part of the problem with that arc is like mm. you didn't really feel like she had that love for the doctor that other companions had. I'm not talking romantic love. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about just like historically platonic love yeah. where like she would want to jump into his timeline and save him and like sacrifice herself that way
2: yeah mm-hmm. I think it's exactly what Kat already touched on which is he had met her twice and he was like obsessed with her already and then she's like I don't know you right. <laughs> like modern Claire is like what are you
3: okay <laughs> and she's not
2: in, like she's a little bit lost but she's not in a quarter
3: life crisis like we usually see mm-hmm. um, with a loose definition of quarter life for Donna which I love the fact that she's not 20 mm-hmm. um, just just to have yeah. uh, so she's not in a kind of like I don't know what to do I'm not sure she's fine where she is yeah, when she's she manning,
2: She's like living mm-hmm. a life yeah mm-hmm. so I, I don't know I think I think you hit the nail on the head with that one but
1: especially I mean one of the nice things about modern doctor who is you have companions that are more the doctors equal because mm-hmm. in the old school doctor who, it was a lot of a lot of like uh young women who screamed and tripped <laughs> and that was like the yep. their their major contribution to the plot, and then there would be uh companions that were the doctors equal, and then they would be gone after a season mm-hmm. right and so it's like it's not just like one of the nice things about Clara one of the nice things about Donna is not just like quote for the dads." <laughs> <You know?
2: laughs> for the dads for the
3: dads what a nice and so mm.
1: and so one of the things we're talking about is like when she was introduced clara didn't have a lot of her own personal agency mm-hmm. like one of the things you were saying you liked about her was uh, uh, the doctor told her to stay put and she did
3: oh that was it's her third ep- uh, it's her second episode as Mod- no it was her third episode as modern day clara Get a ride, right, cat. It's her third episode as modern day Clara. They're in a Soviet Soviet submarine, and we're doing my favorite thing with Doctor Who that we always do. They got two things going on at once: submarine sinking, and there's a Martian on board. It's a it's a heck of a time. But I, when I was watching Doctor Who, I always was like, I would love it. I would find it hilarious if we find if we got a companion where he was like, all right, stay where you are, and he comes back a few minutes later and he's like, what are you doing here? And they're like, you told me to stay <laughs> where I was, and here I'm like. And so I, she fulfilled that for me because. He says, all right, stay right here. And she goes, okay. <laughs> and he says, I mean it. Don't go anywhere. And she's like, all right, you told me I'm not. And he's <laughs> so shocked. And I feel like that really, because when she, she was just still characteristics, but I liked, I found those characteristics charming in that while um, a lot of his companions are kind of like a lovable mess of a girl mm. in, a, in a nice way, but she was very neat. She was very organized. She liked authority. Um, she, she, There's a line later on where, where and when I think it's, um, uh, deep breath. Where the lizard? Sorry, Madame Vashra <laughs> I'm gonna have respect for her. Silurian. Silurian. Mm-hmm. Sorry. She says they call the authorities, and Clara's like, "That's a great idea. We should start calling the police." All <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> why like, have I why never why done we that? Them? We should start. <laughs> and she she has like a little bit of a respect for authority that is a little bit. I found it kind of refreshing. You don't see it in a lot of other companions.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When she calls the the police, she's calling the doctor because of that police box.
3: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's her version of calling the police.
2: Yeah. Yeah. She calls the doctor.
3: Even her boyfriend she chose, Danny Pink, he's like, we need to evacuate. We need (laughs) to call the (laughs) county.
1: There's a great episode where they were was just about them being teachers, right? Mm -hmm. In the classroom. Mm -hmm. Right. There's just like a whole episode that takes place in the school, in the Mm -hmm. Coal Hill School. You know, it's like uh, you don't get that. That's one of the things you don't really get. And again, it's something I, I don't necessarily love, but it's like... Uh, an examination of the companions' personal lives.
2: Yeah, yeah, I I really like that episode. Um, I'm am I'm sorry, I keep dropping episode titles. Go like, for I'm impressed. The caretaker. The caretaker. Um, the caretaker is eight. the episode. You think? Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I really like that because it's you know, it's twelve. So the new version of the Doctor that you know that Claire does know. Uh, coming in and he like assumes that she has a crush on like the young teacher in the bow tie (laughs) you know it's like because he's like oh I understand I totally get it and she's like what (laughs) no it's not that's not Danny Pink it's this other guy and he's like, what? And I just think it's really cute. It
3: is super cute, that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I used to be a teacher, so I, I have a nice fondness for seeing a teacher. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have it where sh- they go into the Dalek and Journey Blue's like, you look like you're a school teacher. And she's like, I am a school teacher. <laughs>
2: what are you trying to say? Yeah. It's, like right it's supposed now. to be a burn? <laughs> she also looks really cute. I cosplay Clara a lot. <laughs> like, really? Yeah, I get a bunch of Claras. So, like, she's got good style. So, she not does, a dig. I do like the pencil skirts. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Good Good skirts.
3: But you wrote like a personal essay all about Clara Oswald.
2: I did. And you yeah. promised
1: to send it to me, and then I, didn't.
2: Yeah, you I didn't. You will was no, post. There was no. What promising. motivated you to write that? Uh, well, that was. I actually wrote it the the week before Face the Raven. What's um, that? Face that's the Raven is the episode mm. from season nine where they go to the Trap Street, and she gets the Raven, and she—that's she. More dies. Her modern day death, yeah. Right. Right. There, I basically. Mean, part of me. I, I like that they touched on, like, well, just go find another clone. yeah. Bring her aboard,
3: you can't. Not works.
2: quite no. the same. Um, um, so um, I wrote it because mm-hmm. it was—I knew that. Well, the rumors were that Jenna Coleman would be leaving after that episode, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, well, that means Claire is leaving, and by that point, I. I really liked the character. I just, I really, I feel like she grew into being her own, her own thing um, outside of the Doctor. But also, the chemistry that she has with Peter Capaldi is, I think, Im- unmistakable. Right. Um. They're both, and they're both very, very talented actors. So, and also, they were, like I said, the first Doctor I traveled with in real time was Peter Capaldi. So the first companion I traveled with in real time was Jenna Coleman. Mm-hmm. So, this pair had grown to be very important to me. And thinking about her leaving. Her you leaving, always do get attached to your first you, doctor
3: companion, do you? Do mm-hmm. and it's
2: like Peter Capaldi's doctor. It's like he, you know, he had a rough time, and then he figured himself out, and Clara was there to help him with that. Um, and the thought of Clara leaving and leaving my doctor, probably very sad, maybe very angry, um, and alone, made me very upset. Um, but I wrote this personal essay the week before *Face the Raven*, um, just about how I started off not being a fan. Of Clara for all these reasons and oh bored to say the doctor yada 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 right uh, and then it got to a point where the f- writer started fixing her started giving her her own agency and making me feel like I was I'm like yeah yeah Claire yeah badass <laughs> am I allowed to say yeah ass I mean she's
3: one of the only people we yeah. see okay, that great. has the that handles the screwdriver yes mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Which
1: didn't make sense to me because it's supposed to be isometrically controlled by the doctor,
3: right? No, oh. that, it's definitely people had. There's mixed reviews yeah. on her. I mean, as far as her having those, those are, those are badass moments, right? But it, a lot of people were like, "Why is she holding? She should let that go. That's not her place." Which is,
1: and it's like, it's just like you can't. This is what makes me crazy about Doctor Who. And after fifty years, you have to let all this go. Mm. <laughs> is they established continuity. And then it just, that becomes inconvenient. And they're like, you know what? Turns out it's not isometrically controlled. Fuck you. (laughs) Yeah, never mind. (laughs) For this
3: episode, the plot needs it to be... Yeah, for Mm -hmm. this
1: episode, the other people need to be able to pilot the TARDIS so suddenly they can.
2: Right. Well, I mean, it's a show that, it's a show that can absolutely write and rewrite its own rules. Right. It's very special in that way, albeit annoying.
1: Albeit annoying. But, you know, I mean, like, that's a... But, you know, the thing is, I think one of the great things about a show like Doctor Who, which has lasted so long, mm-hmm. is that you can have fun talking about the things that are terrible. Like, especially when it comes to special effects and storylines and stuff like that. Like, not everything's going to be a winner, right?
2: Yeah, for sure. But it's still something that we all love. I mean, even like, even like a New Who, if they're like, you know, rough seasons or episodes we don't like, it's like, it's still, for like, as a whole, it's still something I love so, so much.
1: So give me the best Clara episode. Like if I if I wanted to go and change my mind, uh, what's the best right Claire now, episode? With
3: no warning, no warning. Give us the best Clara episode. One second.
1: <laughs>
2: no, you don't. God, have I have episode. no patience oh! for this. All right, let me hang on. It's an eight. You're Coming
1: listening through. to the sound of a woman thinking.
3: I still like the one of her on the submarine. Yeah. <laughs> she stays where she's at. She makes a compassionate speech of her to the Martian about his daughter. Yeah, that is a good one. Ten but- out of
2: ten. <laughs> I think um I really like um Before the Lake before the Flood and Under the Lake. Okay. Or Under the Lake before the flood, the two parter from season nine. Okay. Um it's uh episodes three and four of that season. And they uh Yeah, it involves like, you know, a goat, like a ghost version of twelve and she just like I don't. I just. I really love. I really love that two-parter. Do you feel like it showcases her strength a lot? I think it does. And like she, you know, the doctors like they they obviously get split up. Um, and the doctors like making decisions and making choices, and she's like trying to hold him accountable. Like, there's a there's a really great line that she has where he's like, "I'm dying. I'm not gonna make it back," and she's like. Oh no. She's like, "You don't you die with whoever comes after me. You don't die on my watch." It's like a really great where she's like it's also like a moment where she acknowledges that there will be someone after her. Mm-hmm. You know, almost it's it's also the episode or the season that she's like, you know, she's being reckless. She's becoming more like the doctor, which eventually leads to her downfall and face the raven. Right. Cuz she thinks she can outsmart, thinks so she can cheat it. Yeah, and, and that's she, right in the right in the description, can't cheat it. Yeah. Period. So
1: and Speaking of Clara holding the doctor accountable, one thing we do every week is we highlight different dialogue we like from Doctor Who. And we picked out this week uh we'd like you to read normally Kat and I read sure. the we dialogue. Want you to read. Okay. But you're our guest. Uh we would like you to read Clara. This is from Into the Dalek. hmm Uh and this is uh this is definitely Clara kind of holding here. You can uh, Oh I could see. Okay. Kind of. I will be
3: the doctor because I am the one, those on the video know, uh, wearing the doctor's scarf. That's right. So therefore, mm-hmm. I will read the doctor. You ready?
2: Yeah, sure. All right. Doctor starts out. Off her look. What's that look for? That's the look when you get when I'm going to slap you.
1: She slaps the doctor mm-hmm. hard across the face.
2: We're going to die in here. And there's a little bit of you that's pleased. Oh, sorry. Um, the Daleks are evil, after all. Everything makes sense. The doctor is right. Daleks are evil. Irreversibly so. That's what we just learned. No, doctor. That is not what we just learned. Thank you so much.
3: I liked the British accent, girl. What had we just
1: learned in Into the Dalek?
2: Oh,
3: is it a quiz, too?
1: <laughs> I was just curious.
3: Oh, no, I, I I like that one a lot because basically what it shows is that they go in, and it, you think it's going to go the way it always goes with the Daleks, mm-hmm. where you think, maybe this time, and they're like, nope. The second a Dalek starts to show emotions, we kill it. Right. Mm-hmm. But they go in, and they... Because it, it was malfunctioning, and so uh, they thought rusty. that it was... A, rusty huh. was malfunctioning, so they thought rusty. he was becoming good. But then they fix him, and he stops malfunctioning. But then when they don't go in, and they... Unsuppress some of his suppressed memories that show him like seeing beauty and seeing things that might change his mind, and yeah. that kind of both cures and doesn't cure it <laughs> since he's broken. But yeah,
2: yeah, it, he like he can see, yeah, he can see beauty, he could see like the good in the world, and that's not something that Daleks should be able to do. Right.
3: I did like the idea that they can do it, but that there's something in them that like suppresses it the second it happens. So mm. I like that kind of thing coming out. And I think it does show Clara always wanting to look on the good side, as many companions do, but always wanting to look on the good side. And definitely a little bit of a teacher thing there. With like, that's not what
2: we learned. Did you even pay attention? What did we learn? Um, Yeah, I think, I mean, what we learned was, you know, Daleks can be different.
1: And so uh, another thing we do every week, fan product of the week.
3: That's right. Mm -hmm. So I'm a huge fan of Doctor Who video tributes. Uh, I won't... I won't usually recommend the ones that just said set up to music, although there is a great (laughs) one of the 11th Doctor set up to the song TikTok that is made, Uh, you know, it's a product of its time, but it's still a delight. So, for the one that I wanted to recommend to everyone who hasn't seen it, if you, I feel like it really captures the spirit of the show. I get, I get, I'm a nerd and I get emotional when I watch it. And it's a Clara, it's a Clara Oswald video tribute. It's called Clara Human by JCF. So, J like Jack, C like Charlie. F like Frank J.C.F. CF Productions it's on YouTube and it's a really good way it shows a lot of Clara's scenes and highlights a lot of her strength and so if you want a little bit of uh, just a little taste of Clara then I would go there's a there's a link and I would go watch it it's a
2: it's a good time
1: Do you watch a lot of those videos?
2: Um not so much recently but I have spent many an hour. You can um, really f- fall
3: down a rabbit hole yeah, of Doctor Who tribute videos. You can
2: YouTube is full of talented with them. editors on there. There are. Yeah, I follow a few um now that Instagram is pretty popular. Right. Um I have a I follow a few like editors who put up like really quick, like short spurts. So I'm like, Oh I want a little I'm a little Rose. A little Rose <laughs> fan bit. Oh I'm a little Claire, oh a Martha, I'll take that. <laughs> it's like just like a lot of really short bursts. Kind of brighten your day. Right.
1: Yeah, it's fun that fans I mean, it's just like another way that fans can share their love of Doctor Who with each other. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're about on this podcast, fans sharing their love of Doctor Who. Speaking of uh, Instagrams, what is your uh, social media, Lauren?
2: Social media on Instagram and Twitter, I'm Bancroft. It's B-A-N-C-R-O-F-F-E-D. I also do stand-up and sketch comedy, uh, and LaurenBancroft.com is where you can go to see my my stuff like that. Um, Speaking of sketch comedy, I'm also on a Doctor Who-exclusive sketch comedy team called the Idiot's Lantern. We perform every year at Gallifrey One here in LA. Oh, I was just complaining. I
1: I was too late to buy a ticket to Gallifrey One. Um, I have
2: have an amazing track record of uh, finding tickets last minute, so. Oh, there's hope okay. for you. There Liam. is hope. Yeah. Like there are usually people who are like selling last minute. Because
1: Eccleston's gonna be there. Yep. Peter mm-hmm. Davison and the, mm-hmm. like one of the best Tardis crews is gonna be there. It's
2: gonna be a really good year. And it's, your sketchy was gonna be. And there. my sketchy the yeah, highlight. Yeah, we're the we're the main main stage entertainment on uh, uh, on Friday night.
1: Well, hopefully I can catch one on the resale market. That's uh. Yeah. Unless someone listening to this has a hookup. Uh, uh, uh
2: yeah, I'll, but if not, I'll hook you up. I'll <laughs> uh, I'll figure it out. Uh, um, but yeah.
1: Cap Moore, what's your what's your Instagram deals and?
2: Uh, My handle is This is
3: Cat Moore, Cat with a K, K A T M O O R E. This is Cat Moore, and that's my Instagram and my Twitter handle. And as always, I would love to see whatever you've been making. If you've been making, uh, if you've just made some Dalek and Tardis cookies, and you want me to show those, absolutely. Also, send
2: some cookies. Send some cookies. That would
3: be the best way to be featured. But nonetheless, (laughs) Um, because if you do, if you want to at me, if you want to send it to our to two on who at gmail.com. You right. could absolutely be featured on a future episode.
1: And I am at heyitsliam.com, heyitsliam on Twitter, and radio liam on Instagram. And we are two on who at gmail.com. Next week, Kat, we are going to be talking to your friend Alicia Parrock.
3: That's right. Is so that
1: how you pronounce it, Alicia Parikh. Alicia Parikh. About? And
3: about the Daleks. Oh. I'm very excited. I You know, they're the most iconic villains, and so we thought they'd be the best one to start yeah. out with when we talk about the villains, yeah. and I could probably talk about them for four straight hours, but I'll try to keep it to uh, 50 minutes just for you.
1: Well, we don't have to do just one episode on the Daleks, because <laughs> there's <laughs> sure. a lot of... I mean, we could probably do one just on the moral implications of Into the Daleks, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Speaking of Clara Oswalt, uh, And, of course, let me find the outro for this episode. Thanks for joining us on To On Who, the Doctor Who podcast. Thank you, Lauren, by the way. Thank
2: you so much for coming. Happy to be here. Thank you, guys.
1: If you're a fan of this podcast, you may want to check out Electric Surge's other podcasts. Lauren, you're so lucky. We have the Inglorious Trexperts, which is a nerd... For nerds. The 430 movie, which is a uh, podcast that looks at movies that used to be broadcast on. I think it's, right, Bill? It's like WWOR Channel 9 in New York had the 430 movie. Is that what that's based on?
2: even ABC.
1: Yeah, or maybe ABC. Uh, It was in New York. I think it was ABC. They talk about
3: movies. It's a crazy good time. (laughs)
1: It's (laughs) defunct after VHS tapes came out. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Exactly.
1: And by the way, that's that's our uh, engineer, right? Engineer, I call you. Bill Ritter. Thank you, Bill Ritter. Uh, Everyone here at Electric Surge Network and producers, Natalie, Michelle. Uh, and, of course, Dean Devlin, without without whom nothing here would be possible. Rate us on Apple Podcast. If please. you liked
3: it, give us five stars. Give we, us five I stars. I would appreciate it. It would be very, very kind.
1: Throw a compliment to Lauren Bancroft so she'll yes. want to come back Go next time. Go see her
2: Doctor Who sketch. That mm-hmm. sounds awesome. That mm-hmm. sounds amazing. Video but, content online, too.
1: We'll see you next week, unless you're in the future, in which case we've already seen you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: This is a production of the Electric Surge Network.